Welcome to There is a Season, the Bob and Gloria show. This is the show about how we change, how we age, and how we care for one another. I'm Bob Wolf. And I'm Gloria Shanahan. Thanks for joining us. So today we're going to talk a little about what might be bugging you. That is, what weirds you out, often with no logical explanation. You can get tense simply by talking about this topic. And often you've had physical demonstrative reactions to these things when they come up. Are you talking about COVID again? No, not this week. There's plenty of time for that. This predates COVID, and we'll be here long after COVID. Oh, then you must be seeing politicians. Well, politicians can uh, certainly engender certain feelings. I could see how watching or being in the presence of certain politicians or even the news media, say, talking about politicians could make some people break out in the sweats. Could it be that you're talking about phobias? Yes, And a lot of people have them. And most of the time, we tuck them away over here, hoping we don't have to have them on display when we get triggered by something. So, Gloria, tell me a phobia you might have. Oh, well, I have a phobia of snakes. I do not like the sight of a snake, no matter where it might be, on a screen, in my yard, in my young children's hands when they were little. (laughs) Hey, Mom, look what I found. Yeah, And, And, you know, you talked here about that we don't have a reaction, hoping we don't have to have a phobia on display. Yeah. Like, personally, mm-hmm. oh, I just scream really loudly. <laughs> so you didn't contain I, it at all? No, and my, my children would be punished if they brought a snake near the house. Well, we'll get into this more today, but one of the things that bugs me is insects of a lot of different kinds. And as much as you say you you know screamed, um, I'm really, uh, I don't know if I should be ashamed or proud to admit this, but... I've done the fairy dance uh, when when bugs have suddenly appeared, uh, you know, and attacked me in public. I can vouch. I've seen it. (laughs) I'm thinking particularly of a time when, like, I was out on a softball field or something, and something descended, and I started running around and and squealing. It's kind of um, emasculating uh, to do that in front of uh, your fellow ballplayers. Anyway, um, as you might expect, there's been a lot of research done over the years on phobias, And we'll share some of it with you today. Plus, later, we're going to talk about the millions that will be affecting the millions. So let's get into this now. Talk a little bit more about phobias, Gloria, and we'll try to avoid snakes and bugs, right? Okay. Well, that may be impossible. Bob, what are phobias? Okay. Shall I scream and squeal? (laughs) Yes. A phobia is an excessive and irrational fear reaction. Now, if you have a phobia, you may experience a deep sense of dread or panic when you encounter the source of your fear. Oh, yeah. (laughs) The fear can be of a certain place, situation, or object. Now, unlike general anxiety disorders, a phobia is usually connected to something specific. The impact of a phobia can range from annoying to severely disabling. People with phobias often realize their fear is irrational, but they're unable to do anything about it. Such fears can interfere with work, school, and even personal relationships. An estimated 19 million Americans have a phobia that causes difficulty in some area of their lives. And I would actually say that number is probably a little bit low, to tell you the truth, Um, because there's also, as we share with you a little later, an enormous list of phobias. A lot of people talk about maybe the top five or ten, but the list is extensive. Uh, So 
the recommendation, of course, is to seek the help of your doctor if you have a fear that prevents you from leading your fullest life. Well, that's going to be a call you have to make to see how much your phobia is impacting your day-to-day. What are some of the causes, Gloria? So genetic and environmental factors can cause phobias. Children who have a close relative, per se, with an anxiety disorder are at risk of developing a phobia. Distressing events, such as nearly drowning, can bring on a phobia. And exposure to confined spaces, extreme heights, and animal or insect bites can all be sources of phobias. And people with ongoing medical conditions or health concerns often do have phobias. There's a high incidence of people developing phobias after traumatic brain injuries, too. Substance abuse and depression are also connected to phobias. Phobias have different symptoms from serious mental illnesses, such as schizophrenia. In schizophrenia, people have visual and auditory hallucinations, delusions, paranoia, negative symptoms such as anhedonia, and disorganized symptoms beyond that. Phobias may be irrational, but people with phobias do not fail reality testing. That's interesting. That is interesting. Now, there, there's a there's a lot of them um, that we'll be able to share with you here today that cover, you know, the full range of things that people suffer from. And if, if one of these on the list is something you have, uh, again, we're not making light of it. We're just sharing some of the knowledge of these things and would encourage you, if it's serious enough to impact your daily life, to check in with your doctor. But what are some of the top ones? So one of the top ones is agoraphobia. And agoraphobia is a fear of places or situations that you can't escape from. The word itself refers to fear of open spaces. People with agoraphobia fear being in large crowds or trapped outside the home. They often avoid social situations altogether and they stay inside their homes. Many people with agoraphobia fear that they may have a panic attack in a place where they can't escape. And those with chronic health problems may fear they could have a medical emergency in a public area or where there might not be any help available to them. There are also uh, social phobias. A social phobia is referred to as a social anxiety disorder. It's extreme worry about social situations, and it can lead to self-isolation. So that's not really been a problem for someone like Lori or myself here who, you know, <laughs> we, we make a living. We're out here talking to people all the time. Uh, but for a lot of people, being in social settings can be extremely debilitating. Social phobia can be so severe that the simplest interactions, such as ordering at a restaurant or answering the telephone, can cause panic. People with social phobias often go out of their way to avoid public situations. So many people, Bob, really just dislike certain situations or objects, right? But to be a true phobia, the fear must interfere with daily life. Now, now we're going to talk about a few of the most common ones, and um, one of them is glossophobia, and this is known as performance anxiety or the fear of speaking in front of an audience. People with this phobia have severe physical symptoms when they even think about being in front of a group of people. And if, if you have this type of phobia, the treatments can include either, you know, therapy or medication. Now, in that case, see, you know, some people wonder about We've even seen it with some of the people we've interviewed over the years. Some people are very comfortable in front of a microphone. And if we just carry on a conversation with them, which is usually what we aim to do, everyone seems to be fine. If we were to say offline, oh, by the way, thousands of people are listening to you, <laughs> they would probably probably tighten up you know, just like that. Uh, but even in situations, see, this is one that I don't have. Oh, I grew up uh, really son Bob, of a professor, and I was also a ham back in high school, and my brothers were hams too. I mean, we, we you're still a ham. We were well, yeah, bacon maybe. Uh, we were we were pretty good at being able to talk in front of other people, 
And even even in live situations in front of audiences, we've had an opportunity sometimes to talk. I think it affects you a little bit more than it affects me. But it's one of those things that I kind of got used to early on. And, you know, there are lots of tricks for trying to deal with that situation and that anxiety. But as much as I might be comfortable in that situation, as I joked before about the, you know, certain bug situations, I'm entirely, you know, uncomfortable in those situations. So glossophobia is one that does affect a lot of people. What's another one? Acrophobia. And this is the fear of heights. People with this phobia avoid mountains, bridges, or the higher floors of buildings. Symptoms can include vertigo, dizziness, sweating, and feeling if they're going to pass out or lose consciousness. Claustrophobia, of course, is one that uh, a lot of people have. It's a fear of enclosed or tight spaces. Severe claustrophobia can be especially disabling if it prevents you from riding in cars or elevators, which we have, you know, tend to need in our lives. Uh, another one is aviophobia. This is known as a fear of flying. Great many people have that. We'll never set foot in an airline. Now, I have one that is on this list, Bob. It, I don't know that it's really a phobia for me, but dentophobia. And it's the fear of the dentist or dental procedures for me. This uh, phobia generally develops after an unpleasant experience at a dentist's office. And it can be harmful if it prevents you from obtaining needed dental care. Hemophobia is the uh, phobia that's related to blood or injury. A person with hemophobia may faint when they come in contact with their own blood or another person's blood. Sometimes people can even faint during, uh, you know, having a blood draw, you know, when they actually see blood you know, coming out of their body. And a lot of times that can be a fainting situation. Here's a, one that we'll talk about um, probably a little later on, too. This is a, a very big one, historically one of the biggest on the list. And that's arachnophobia. This means a fear of spiders. Uh, which is kind of creepy crawly for a lot of people. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. What else you got? Um, sinophobia, which is a fear of dogs. And then we have mine, which is opidiophobia, which is people that have a phobia of snakes. Yes. A slithery snakes. Thanks, Bob. Nyctophobia is a fear of nighttime or darkness. Um, that could be nyctophobia, I suppose. It's almost always begins with a typical childhood fear. And when it progresses past adolescence, it's considered a phobia. So there are risk factors. Uh, there are genetic predispositions to anxiety that may create a high risk of developing a phobia. Your age, your socioeconomic status, and gender seem to be risk factors only for certain phobias. Uh, for example, women are more likely to have animal phobias. Didn't know that. Didn't I didn't know that. either. Children or people with low socioeconomic status are more likely to have social phobias. Men make up the majority of those with dentist or doctor phobias. Well, that's, that's interesting. That's kind of interesting too. So, Bob, there are symptoms of phobias, and the most common and disabling symptom of a phobia is a panic attack. And features of these panic attacks can include a pounding or racing heart, shortness of breath, rapid speech or the inability to speak, dry mouth, upset stomach and nausea, elevated blood pressure, trembling or shaking. And there's several more. Would you like to chest, share? Yeah, sure. Chest pains and tightness. Ugh, this is terrible. I've been it is. Uh, the feeling of choking, the sensation of that, dizziness or lightheadedness, profuse sweating, a sense of impending doom. These are all terrible. I mean, they you know, are. When they really get advanced. A person with a phobia doesn't have to have panic attacks for accurate diagnosis, however. Now, there are some treatment options. We're not physicians here, but we can share a few things. One of them is cognitive behavioral therapy. It's, which is also, you know, CBT is used for a lot of different uh, treatments, psychological stresses and disorders, and that involves gradual exposure to the source of fear in a controlled setting. What are two others? 
medication. So there's antidepressants and anti-anxiety medications, and that can help calm people emotionally and, and also their physical reactions to fear. You can have a combination, maybe, Bob, of medication and professional therapy, and many say that's the most helpful. Yeah, so then you've, you've, you've at least got some uh, physiological control over this, but you're also able to kind of talk some of these things out. Right. Not saying that I've tried any of these. I don't know that you've tried any of those uh, or anybody else uh, who's listening has had a, a chance to try these. We'd love to know your thoughts today. Uh, so you can write to us at Bob and Gloria at thereisaseasonshow.com, and we'll have much more ahead about what scares the hell out of you and millions of others right after this. You are listening to There is a Season on AM 1290 and 95.7 WHIO, Dayton's News and Talk. It's our Ask the Expert weekend on the Miami Valley Radio Station with breaking news, weather, and traffic. 1290 and 95.7 WHIO, Dayton's News and Talk. It's an Ask the Expert weekend on Dayton and Springfield's 24-hour news, weather, and traffic station. 1290 and 95.7 WHIO, Dayton's News and Talk. Welcome back to the scariest show on radio. This is There is a Season. I'm Bob. And I'm Gloria. And we're talking today about what scares you, what you might be phobic about. Still ahead, we're going to talk about the millions that will affect millions. And we have a special There is a Season announcement for you. But for the time being, we've been talking about phobias. And now we're going to focus more on a particular phobia that becomes more evident this time of year, and that is entomophobia. Ew. Mm. It is springtime, and so springtime means certain things, you know, come to life. Uh, And we're not just talking about, you know, green plants and all that kind of stuff. We're talking about other kinds of things. What is entomophobia? Entomophobia is an extreme and persistent fear of insects. It's what's referred to as a specific phobia, which is a phobia that focuses on a particular object. An insect phobia is one of the most common types of a specific phobia. Now, we've talked before about, uh, you know, in the first segment about phobias and, and a lot of their symptoms, and we've talked about significant anxieties and so forth. What are the specific symptoms of entomophobia? Well, unlike a fear or dislike of insects, a person with a true entomophobia has an irrational fear of them. I'll be the judge of that. Come on. Mm. Adults with phobias often understand the irrationality of being afraid of something that poses no actual danger. Even still, the mere idea of being near an insect can bring on severe mental and physical symptoms, such as, Bob... Immediate feelings of intense fear or anxiety when seeing or thinking about an insect. One might suspect that Bob has this phobia. (laughs) Anxiety that worsens as an insect comes closer. It depends, because if it gets too close, it may be gone instantly. Um, Pretty good reflexes still, you know. (laughs) An inability to control the fears, even though um, you're aware that they're unreasonable. Yeah, I'd say that's probably true. Uh, Trouble functioning because of fear. Mm, I've seen that. I've witnessed that. I once abandoned a vehicle while it was moving after something flew out of the dashboard. But that's a whole other story. I won't get into that. And uh, doing anything possible to avoid insects, such as avoiding parks, basements, or activities where they may be present. Now, similar to other phobias, what are some of the physical reactions that people can have? Yes, you can have panic attacks. You'll have a rapid heart rate, maybe. Chest tightness and sweating. Hyperventilation, dry mouth. Shaking or trembling. And crying, especially in children with this particular phobia. Which is sad when you see a kid cry, and it's probably sad when you see a grown man in the outfield also crying. I don't know if sad is the word that I would use. 
or crying, right? You you gave another description of it when we were off the air. Oh yes. What was the word? Ba- you- <laughs> I've seen you squeal like a squeal. pig. Squeal. Yes, I thought that was with the fairy so, dance. So with the fairy dance, yes. Quite, uh, so quite now the, the treatments for entomophobia may include, like they do for other phobias, exposure therapies, a gradual introduction to the thing that scares you in a controlled environment. There can also be other types of behavioral therapy that all fall within that CBT, that cognitive behavioral therapy uh, category. What else uh, under uh, medication? What are some of the things under that? Yeah, um, psychotherapy is the most effective way for overcoming fear of insects. Depending on your symptoms, your doctor may recommend medication to help, you know, just reduce your anxiety and other entomophobia symptoms. And so some of these may include anxiety drugs, you know, which are sometimes include a type of sedative, and they're often prescribed to reduce this anxiety. Sedatives are addictive and only recommended, though, for short-term use. So we're going to talk more about entomophobia, and we'll keep brooding about this topic through the news, and we have much more for you still ahead, so stay with us. You are listening to There is a Season on AM 1290 and 95.7 WHIO, Dayton's News and Talk. It's an Ask the Expert weekend on Dayton and Springfield's 24-hour news, weather, and traffic station, 1290 and 95.7 WHIO, Dayton's News and Talk. It's an Ask the Expert weekend on Dayton and Springfield's 24-hour news, weather, and traffic station, 1290 and 95.7 WHIO, Dayton's News and Talk. Welcome back to There is a Season, the show about how we change, how we age, and how we care for one another. I'm Bob Wolf, And I'm Gloria Shanahan. We've been talking about phobias, all kinds of phobias, and in the last segment, what really bugs some people. We'll get back to that in just a second. Still ahead, we have the story of the millions that will affect the millions, and a special There is a Season announcement. Bob, I think that we ought to give a little hint to our There is a Season announcement, because not everybody stays tuned into our show all the way to the bitter end. Bitter end? People tune out? I do, even while we're recording sometimes. That is... (laughs) That's completely evident. I'm being very honest. My <laughs> mind just drifts to other things. Uh, it's because you're so comfortable with my voice in the background. Mm. Lulls you to sleep. Mm. Yeah, well, well, uh, well, the announcement is this. We're going to be doing um, live calls uh, again starting next week. That is our hope. We've been doing a lot of programs here uh, where we haven't taken calls, but we will be taking calls next week. And if you stick around a little bit later here in the program, we'll tell you what that's going to be about. So there's still a little bit of a tease to radio. You know, we don't want to give all that away. No, you're trying to make people stay to the bitter uh, end. To the, Stop saying bitter end. I'm kidding. It's a joke. Okay, let's get back to something else that creates bitterness, and that is entomophobia. And we've talked about different things you can do. You can get medication, you can get psychological treatment or counseling. Uh, there's all kinds of different therapies. Uh, There are also some at-home treatments that you can do if bugs bother you. What are some of those? Well, you might want to consider some relaxation techniques, such as yoga, meditation, um, practice mindfulness, and get some regular exercise. Now, this is one that's interesting. You may have found that you have too much intake of caffeine and other stimulants, and apparently, if you decrease that, that'll help. And I like this one. You could join a support group, Bob. That's true, and and I may do that soon, like right at the end of this show. So there's a lot more that you can do to uh, look into entomophobia. And if you really are struggling with a fear of insects such that it becomes incapacitating, we would encourage you again to talk to your physician. So let's shift gears again a little bit now. And um, there's no other way to get around this, uh, to talk about the millions that will affect the millions, if not the billions that will affect the millions. And really, there's there's a good way to... Um, Well, let me just read a quote to you here from someone 
local uh, in the area. This comes from uh, Professor David Shetlar. He's the Professor Emeritus of Entomology at The Ohio State University. And he says, in mid-June, pardon my French, all hell is going to break loose. Oh, my. He simply says, they're going to come out by the millions. What is he talking about, Gloria? Well, starting sometime this month or next month, we're talking between April and May, billions upon billions of cicadas will emerge after 17 years underground in a dozen U.S. states from New York West to Illinois and south into northern Georgia, including hot spots in Indiana, Ohio. Son of a... Mm, I know, Tennessee, (laughs) Maryland, Pennsylvania, and New Jersey. This group of cicadas, known as brood X, as in the Roman numeral 10, is among the geographically largest of all 17-year periodical cicadas. Uh, Yeah, so when exactly will this brood X emerge? Well, they are ready, but they are waiting for the soil to be warm enough. The ideal soil temperature for cicadas is about 64 degrees. I'm so glad that we, we understand that about them. Are you waiting for another deep frost? I am. I'm, I'm really hoping for a late winter here. For the mid-Atlantic region, that usually comes by about the third week of May. But it could be sooner. Usually you have stragglers on either side. Now, for about four to six weeks after these cicadas emerge, woods and neighborhoods will ring with their buzzing mating calls. After the cicadas mate... Each female will lay hundreds of eggs in thin tree branches. Then the adult cicadas will die. When the eggs hatch, die. new cicada nymphs... Die. <laughs> and, and remember, cicadas, before they're fully grown, are what are called nymphs, right? They're going <laughs> to fall from the trees and burrow back underground, starting uh, the 17-year cycle again. All this crawling and burrowing. Uh, and dropping from trees. Right, now, here's what everybody loves to say, okay, and I hear this all the time. The cicadas won't hurt you. Well, they won't, Bob. <laughs> they're actually beneficial to our environment. Yes, they don't sting, and they're not venomous. They're just disgusting. I know, and they get a bad uh, rap. Well, why do why? they get a bad rap, Bob? Because, well, <laughs> think about it. It says here that they remind people of biblical plagues of locusts. which is an entirely different insect and a very damaging insect because it can destroy entire crops of fields. You can talk to farmers about this even today. Locusts are not a good thing to have around. But the cicadas set to emerge this spring in the United States are harmless to humans and won't wipe out fields or gardens. Now, you know, we're going to talk more about this here in a second, but you can pull up maps about this. One um, website that uh, plots a lot of this stuff is called earthsky.org. And we have a map up in front of us that tracks or I shouldn't say tracks because they really don't move, but these broods all across the eastern part of the United States. Well, there's so many different types, so many different broods, I should say. Right. There's one, two, three, four, five, yes. all these different and, ones. And even in Ohio, uh, this brood X uh, doesn't affect the whole state equally. It really is concentrated more on the western and southern part of the state, um, which means I'm going to be probably you know shooting over to Hocking Hills for, for the remainder. You know, maybe I'll hold out there in a cabin or something. Are they going to be spared, Bob? Hocking well, Hills? I don't, I, I don't know. I don't have that granularity here on, on the map. There are perhaps 3,000 to 4,000 species of these buggers around the world. But the 13 and 17-year periodical cicadas are unique to eastern North America. How splendid. Oh, they are. And I can't wait for the emergence. I mean, after 17 years underground, sucking sap from tree roots... <laughs> 
<laughs> what a life. The cicadas are going to surface like and, and by mass. the billions. Yes. yes. They're going to they're going to cause these dime-sized little holes, Bob, about 2 centimeters, and they're going to litter our grounds where they're emerging. And these nymphs are going to crawl up towards the daylight. Isn't this exciting, Bob? I'm looking for my medication right now. Let's see if it's now, on the table here somewhere. And the cicada's only defense against predators is to arise together in an enormous swarm, overwhelming the predator's ability to eat them all. Yeah, they call that predator satiation. So, you know, basically what's what's happened over the, the history of the world and evolution is that they realize they have very these realize it sounds like they have knowledge of this it's it's not it doesn't really work that way but the the species has evolved such that the way to defend itself and you know perpetuate its existence is to simply outnumber everything because the predators can't gorge themselves enough they're going to outnumber humans i I heard that yes well once above the ground the cicadas announce their arrival the main aggravation cicadas inflict on the rest of us is their loud buzzing mating calls so you got to think about what you sometimes hear uh, from a, a cicada, not part of the brood here, just a regular cicada. During the summer, it can be that really loud one when you're out listening to crickets. The the cicada is sort of like the boisterous loud guy at a party. He's the loudest one in the forest. I can't even make the sound. But in this case here, with the brood, you got a bunch of them to get, not just a bunch. We'll tell you about that in just a second. Oh, yeah, there's more than a bunch. The males head toward the top of the trees, and they let out a loud whirring noise that can fill the air at up to, are you ready for this? 80 to 100 decibels, which is equal to the intensity of a lawnmower or motorcycle. I or just being in the back row of a Who concert or something. You know? Yeah. And now this is interesting. During the last emergence of the Brood X cicadas in 2004, which I do remember, the PGA's Memorial Tournament in Dublin, Ohio was awash in the nonstop buzz of cicadas, providing a nice noisy backdrop to the television coverage as the golfers played 72 holes over the course of four days. I wonder if that affected the handicap. You know, <laughs> does your handicap get adjusted in golf if you have a phobia about bugs? Uh-huh. Uh, something I, for the PGA to ponder. That is something for them to ponder. Yeah, mm. yeah. Well, the main damage that cicadas inflict on the landscape comes when female cicadas drill holes into slender, delicate tree branches where they then infest with their eggs. It says when they lay their eggs in this science article we're reading. To protect the younger or vulnerable trees, you can cover them with netting to keep the cicadas away. Yes. You may need a lot of netting. I I just heard recently that this is not the spring to plant any new trees. Ah. Because it would damage the trees. So to wait until the cicadas are gone. Yes. The eggs deposited by the females will eventually hatch, producing these nymphs that you mentioned before, uh, mm-hmm. which are the size of a grain of rice. Ah, oh, they're so small. We could get them right then. Mm-hmm. The nymphs fall off the trees and burrow underground, beginning their 17 years of subterranean life, sucking sap and mm-hmm. tree juice or something. You, whatever you said. <laughs> something like that, Bob. What are they? Uh, so while above so, ground, their parents do what? They end their life stage. Die. Now this Die. is Bob. They are going to, but be careful what you wish for, because the carcasses will pile up under trees and on your grass, returning much-needed nutrients to the soil that will feed the trees and eventually their children who dine <laughs> off the sap. Why is of it these that we always say roots. the children? So it's really a good thing. And I personally am looking forward to this. I'm thinking I'm going to invite all my friends with dogs to come on over from and gorge themselves out of just 
eat from one end of the property to the other. How long are you going to remain in um, quarantine, Bob? Well, you know, given the fact that we've had the whole COVID thing for the last year, I figure what's another five or six weeks? You know, I just hide out in the basement and uh, I'll be good. If I have to go someplace, I'll just quickly get into a vehicle, do a spot check, back out, be on my way. Who's going to mow your lawn? Um, we'll have to hire that out or, uh, is your whole family affected by this phobia? I don't know. I don't, I mean, you know, I, I've, let's put it this way. I've, I have a great story here about this. Years ago, I was on a date. Okay. I went down to Cincinnati. And if anybody knows Cincinnati knows the Mount Adams area up on top of Mount Adams, there's a bar there, or there was at the time. It's called a pavilion, it had outdoor seating, overlooked the city. <laughs> Wonderful place. And I'm going on the date and I'm thinking, okay, well, I got to, you know, I got to be pretty good. And I knew there was a cicada outbreak infestation. I'm not kidding. The streets were covered. Sides of buildings were covered with cicadas. And I'm walking along going crunch, 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 crunch. And I had to sit through this date outdoor sweating, thinking, got to be cool. Got to be cool. Got to get through the date as, as these cicadas are surrounding me 360 degrees. Yes, I remember um, in 2004, which was after your experience on the date, if I'm, if I'm playing, yes. figuring this out, I remember that we pushed with a push broom cicadas off of our deck into a large trash can. That's how many. We have a lot of trees on our property, and they were everywhere. It's Crunch, it's, crunch, crunch. Yes. I, the whole cycle, by the way, of emergence, predation, uh, mating, birth, and death. Well, they don't do the mating ahead of time. I mean, come on. Could we speed this up? Anyway, the whole thing is going to take about six weeks before the landscape again returns to its former state to await the next emergence in 2038, at which point I will live in an entirely different part of the country or world. You know, as you say at the end of the show every week, Bob, you always say, do not regret growing older. It's a privilege denied to many. <laughs> So we don't want to, you know, I, I regret want, no, or... No, I, I want to deny the cicadas any growing older. But you want to be here in 2038, so, That's true. I know. will be here, and I hope they won't be. We've got a lot more for you still ahead, including a special announcement. Stay with us. You're listening to There is a Season on AM 1290 and 95.7 WHIO, Dayton's News and Talk. It's our Ask the Expert weekend on the Miami Valley Radio Station with breaking news, weather, and traffic. 1290 and 95.7 WHIO, Dayton's News and Talk. It's an Ask the Expert weekend on Dayton and Springfield's 24-hour news, weather, and traffic station. 1290 and 95.7 WHIO, Dayton's News and Talk. Welcome back to There is a Season. I'm Bob. And I'm Gloria. We've been talking about phobias today and also about our once-every-17-year phenomenon called the Cicada Brood Number 10. If you'd like more information about phobias, you can check out these fine articles. Yes, you can go to curejoy.com. And there is a large list of phobias there. I think over 100, Bob, aren't there? Yeah, we didn't uh, cover everything in the program here, but I'm sure there's going to be something for everybody. Uh, so you can look down and learn a little bit about that. And that's curejoy.com slash content slash list of phobias. What else can people resource? At healthline.com, this is uh, a site that will give you resources on phobias and how to treat them. And then we have another site called earthsky.org slash earth slash 17 year brood X. If you want to be totally scandalized and have nightmares. Now, Bob, there is a resource that I want to share with you, particularly in the many others. Okay. You can Google tent for cicadas protection (laughs) and this, this thing that goes over your head and down to about your mid thigh and it's all screened in is to wear when you go outside. 
Yeah, and you said you can wear it when you're cutting the lawn. Whatever you want to do outside. It protects from the flying cicadas because they fly like drunken lads. They just fly all over the place. They're right. they're kind of crazy. I, I am a, probably going to go to their higher-priced product, which is Armored Car for cicadas, <laughs> uh, and use that instead. All right, let's, let's talk here about our special announcement. We have been doing programs here uh, for over 10 years uh, with There is a Season, and the vast majority of these in, in the past have featured live call-in opportunities. Not that people called all the time. Sometimes people were in rapt attention and could not dial. Yeah, okay. Yeah. And sometimes they just tuned out, like Gloria said before. But we're going to be going back and taking some live calls on some of our future shows. And of particular uh, interest for a lot of people I know revolves around topics of COVID and particularly the vaccine. We're going to be talking about some alternate viewpoints and some alternate science that we don't think a lot of people have heard about. And we're going to be getting into that discussion starting next week. What else will we be discussing in the coming weeks? Yeah, we're also, with um, reference to COVID, going to be talking about the social pressures and or maybe force, you know, with your jobs, families, and friends with particular attention to being vaccinated or not. Yeah, and that starts with things like passports or proof of uh, not having uh, the virus when you're going into a sporting event, but it could trickle down to other kinds of things in the future. We're going to get into the financial aspects of COVID, who has gotten rich off of this, who still intends to get rich off of this. And is this a part of a larger effort to undermine the United States? You know, there's a lot of talk about, is this a, a political thing? Obviously, the virus is real. Yeah, you know, whether it's foreign actors or whether it's people here at home. And we'll get into the future response. What have we learned about our response up to now from the medical, political, and social arenas? All of that is going to kick off next week. We won't be doing this in consecutive shows, but we will be revisiting the topics a little bit different than what we've done in the last year. But we will be taking live calls starting next week. So uh, to everything, there is a season including cicada season, and a time to every purpose under the heaven. It's time for us to go this week. Remember, dear friends, seek grace in every step you take and never regret growing older. It is a privilege denied to many. From my bug lover, Gloria Shanahan, our producers, and everyone who makes the show possible, we thank you for spending some time with us. You've been listening to There is a Season on AM 1290 and News 95.7 WHIO, Dayton's News and Talk. Have a blessed week. It's an Ask the Expert weekend on Dayton and Springfield's 24-hour news, weather, and traffic station, 1290 and 95.7 WHIO, Dayton's News and Talk.